Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with the sharp-eyed one, Bruce. Hey, Bruce. Hello, David. How are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm probably a little bit crooked. It doesn't seem like my oh, camera you're fine. wants to you're right stay in the middle straight there, here. Bruce. Okay. Right in the okay. There. I like that head movement you made. It was like some. Oh, kind I was of trying to get my eyes in line with the camera. Yeah, it was like a new <laughs> dance move, the McCurdy. <laughs> All right, Looking Bruce. Looking through the, the screens, up the shots. Yeah. The orders won uh, three to two. Mm. Hard fought win where they outchanced Ottawa. Give me one second. It was, I think it was 15 to 6. Is 15 that what it, to 6. 10 to 1 in the middle frame was the uh, yeah. was the decisive part. And the other two were even. One power play. They had six chances and they finally scored uh, in, the, uh, in the second period. So, Bruce, it was, it was an absolutely stifling defensive performance by the orders, I'm going to say. Mm-hmm. And um, good for them. They need, they need to play that kind of defense to win. Uh, and until they get, you know, two lines going, uh, really going, two offensive lines going, you, you've got to play strong defensive hockey, and they did so. Bruce, this is going to be our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers podcast. And because it's an Oilers win, we'll go with two good things each. What is your first good thing? Well, I'm going to jump on the opportunity, rare as it might be, to credit Kyle Turris. As uh, one of my good things tonight, saw him real good in this game, and that's almost the first, I have to say, uh, where he did much, many more good things than bad, even though ultimately he was uh, judged to be a culprit on the uh, uh, second Ottawa goal for being the F3 who uh, basically got burned on the three-on-two. But ultimately, that was just a goal that was a fortunate deflection off of Tyson Berry sticking in the net. That aside... Uh, he made a number of very fine plays to set up dangerous scoring opportunities. A great cross-ice pass to Alex Chason for one-time shot. One time shot that Chason didn't miss. That was an outstanding save by young Dacord in the Ottawa net. Uh, similarly, Turris set up Caro uh, um, uh, with a good chance uh, right in the slot. Uh, and then he had a very good chance of his own banging away from in, in close off of a, a, a setup from uh, Devon Shore and Caleb Jones. I mean, it's not like he was out there playing with the big boys. Uh, he's way down the lineup creating chances. And then he did get a shift uh, with the big boys. It was just quickly during a line change. But Kara uh, uh, went off and uh, Leon Drysaddle came on and uh, uh, Turris took a head headman pass from Koskinen at the uh, at the blue line and made a uh, uh, I got the right one hang on a second the dry side too many goals yeah this is a dry side goal yeah he took a headman yeah, pass up from Barry he took a headman pass from Barry from Barry beautiful at pass the, at the blue line yeah it was a beauty pass from uh, Barry and and uh, Tourist got it over the line and quickly fed it up ahead to Drysaddle to come off the bench and was charging up the middle. And uh, it was a uh, uh, and Leon got the puck and looked up and snapped her home without taking you know just 
instant shot and his first goal in nine games. And who would have guessed that tonight when Leon finally scored, it would be Kyle Turris setting him up and not, say, Connor McDavid. But it was a nice play. And Turris definitely earned his point by that point because that was four grade-A chances that he was absolutely central to. And one that I really liked was where he simply won a battle along the boards to win the puck take control of it and make a decisive play and pass with it. And winning battles has not been a forte of this player at all. So a very welcome sight indeed. And tonight, maybe we're seeing flashes of the reasons why the order signed this guy, which have been uh, not often enough, but uh, credit were due. He played well and uh, had, had a, uh, had a strong game. How'd you grade him tonight, David? I gave him a seven. Because he made all those good plays, but he good and uh, was in on the goal, but he was made a mistake on a goal against. So you know, generally you subtract one for that. I do, because right. he was a kind of a major culprit there. Bruce, he did, he does have some skill. He's flashed it before, and it really came to the fore tonight. But you, like, it's it's weird to remark on a player winning a battle, but it's almost like we have to. He's really got to. He's got to make up his mind. He's got to change his orientation to the game and win those physical battles now and then. And he did so tonight. And if he does that, he he clearly has a good head for the game still and can make some plays. But so if if Kyle Turris decides to, you know, not be a passenger and to be someone who gets his in there in gritty battle fashion, uh, wins a few each game, that's going to be a huge difference and he can help this team. Good for him. Uh, I had him, Bruce. I just did a, a performance rankings and I had him. In terms of the Oilers' performance rankings, they had him 26th out of 26 players right now, right at the bottom. So, I mean, if he had been sent to the HL today, I wouldn't have been weeping. But good for him. Earn your spot. Bruce, my uh, good thing was the play of what, what I'll call the power line. Uh, you put McDavid and Dreisaitl together. That's, a, that's you're, you're loading up. Uh, I really, you know... Of course, I, I would prefer to see the dynamite line, but Bruce, the power line with Yamamoto, we haven't seen this particular combination before very much. And really, it's an exciting combination of hockey players. They're all, they're just, they really work well together. This isn't like with Cassian out there where it didn't work that well together. And I do have some questions in the defensive zone. Like there was a few times when I saw Yamamoto as, a, as, the, as the guy down covering around the net because both dry settle and McDavid like their offense. And, um, you know, I would rather not see Yamamoto being the guy down low helping the defenseman in front of the net. I don't think that's, mm-hmm. he, he battles hard. That all that said, this line, uh, had 16 shots to eight. They were Yamamoto scored a goal on a nice tip. Uh, mm-hmm. dry settle scored his goal. Mm-hmm. They were, they, they were just this far away from having, one or two more goals. It just seemed like the puck just didn't bounce their way a few times because they were putting on, just as they did against the Calgary Flames in the second and the third period, they were putting on unbelievable pressure throughout the game, Bruce. This is a, this is a, this line is going to be a handful. It's not going to be, like last year when we were pushing, I was pushing, maybe you were to break up that line with McDavid and Drysaddle. It's because it wasn't working at all. This line should work. And um, it did work against the Senators. Well, it should work a lot more with Yamamoto than Cassian, I reckon, uh, yeah. just because of Yamamoto's defensive chops, which which Zach really, you know, that's not a forte of his game, never has been. And Yamamoto down low doesn't bother me as much as it might. 
because he's uh, he, he's so adept at getting in the lanes, at reading plays, at getting to stick in good spots. Uh, and so, I mean, obviously that's not the ideal, but uh, uh, I think the reason that he was chosen to play with them uh, is because he, he is a strong two-way player. That's true. And they need that. He doesn't need the puck, Bruce, to succeed. And, and I, I prefer him over Puglia-Yarvi for that reason. I think it's kind of a waste in a way if you have three players as good as the, with the puck as McDavid, Drysettle, and Puglia-Yarvi all on the same line. Um, Yamamoto really doesn't need it on his stick to, do, to, to, to be a successful player in the game. So in that way, he fits in very well. Earlier today, I did a post where I looked at the Oilers' kind of power couples. So these are the combinations of forwards, uh, of their best forwards, to see how they've done and th- over the last uh, couple seasons. And this, this is in fairly large sample sizes of ice time. So um, Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins' goal for percentage, Bruce, is 55%. 60, 60 goals for uh, 50 against an even strength. McDavid and Dreisaitl's is 54%. 125 goals for 108 against which is which is a pretty good goals for percentage for an average player, but when you have the two best attackers on the ice, that you want a little bit more than just fifty four goals for percentage. Quite honestly, from the, those two guys, McDavid and R and H, their goal for percentage is forty seven percent, which is just atrocious. Um, you might look at it and say they've had bad puck luck. I don't really believe that over over eight hundred and twenty three even strength yeah. minutes. I just think it's a bad mix of players that they're both fundamentally passers of the puck and Nuge especially is wasted with McDavid. He, he, um, he's not a finisher. He needs to be, he needs to be setting up other players and, um, hopefully he'll be setting up, uh, Puliarvi on the second line right now, but the best, the, the, the Oilers real power couple is Yamamoto and Drysaddle 65 goals for 4%, 50 goals for 28 against. Nice. Now, a lot of that came with Nugent Hopkins, of course, but yes. mm-hmm. this, these two guys, you, you have that going for them, that kind of synergy between these guys. And then you add Connor McDavid. Yeah. The power line is yeah. going to be powerful. Yeah. What? Yes. Yeah. There's, there's, uh, uh, there's just way too much talent in there, uh, for them, uh, uh, you know, not to generate a lot of chances, and uh, they're going to put some pucks in the net. There's, uh, there's no two ways about it. Bruce, what is your second good thing? Uh, I'm going to credit Mikko Koskinen for his pass uh, on the Alex Chason goal uh, at the end of the power play with uh, uh, when the uh, Senators finally got the puck out after some extended pressure, and the Oilers. Uh, a couple of them went to the bench, and a couple of Ottawa guys went to the far bench. And Costin came way out to feel the, the icing play, uh, the clearance, and immediately made a long pass up the uh, weak side, the penalty box side, away from the change, and found McDavid there. Uh, McDavid chipped it up to chase on. And because Ottawa was changing, and because Darnell Nurse was uh, uh, right on top of things, and he charged into the play on the other side that suddenly the Oilers had a two-on-one and Chason went in and it made it look like I, I was pretty convinced he was going to pass the puck and then bam, short side, top corner. Perfect shot. What a great shot by Chason. Wasn't it? And, uh, but the whole play was made possible by 
Mikkel Koskinen's Mike Smith style coming out to, to pick off a pass early and shoot it right up the other way and catch the other team uh, in the uh, uh, in the act of changing. He almost caught his own team. I think that was, the last two goals for Edmonton, the second and third, are so similar I might be mixing them up. And that It was a long stretch pass to the penalty box side and uh, during a change, because of course Drysaddle was coming on with on the tourist goal, and Drysaddle had just gone off for the chase on goal, but it was one of them, and I think it was that power play one where the two Oilers were going off at the bench inside the blue line, just as the puck was hitting the line. Oh, the second guy was clearing the bench, and I looked at the replay and I said, you know, if Ottawa had challenged that, they might have won the challenge, but they didn't challenge it, and it wow. was uh, it was a very near thing. I hate that bench not being on the blue line. I hate that it's in the zone. Design floppers. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, I like the Koskinen. He looked confident with the puck, more confident than he's looked. He, he's learning from Mike Smith. Yeah, no question. That, and that's great. Good for Miko Koskinen. That could make a big difference to him because he was moving the puck very well. And that, you know, it almost made up for, you know what. So uh, we'll, we'll get, at, get to that a little bit earlier with Koskinen. We probably will, eh? <laughs> yeah, we probably will when we get to our bad things. But that was a hell of a play by Miko Koskinen. It was. Yeah. It was, yeah. And, I mean, without that play by Koskinen, that's not going to be a goal. No, and no. And the Oilers only won by one goal. I mean, he got a, he got a legitimate assist on that goal, like a, a scoring point, and, and he earned it. That so, was like – that's props. a Detroit – Detroit Red Wings play. They always used to do that. Catch teams when they're changing or catch teams when they're off guard with the quick breakout, usually from a Nicholas Lidstrom pass. But they were always looking for it. Mm-hmm. Always. Look, and they just killed the Oilers repeatedly with that kind of quick and everybody. Uh, uh, charge up the ice. Here's some good news, Bruce. The Canucks beat the Canadians 2-1, to one and, but the bad news, it was in overtime. And the oh, Canadians it was one nothing with like six minutes to play. Yeah, I just hope for regulation results. I don't care who wins half these games. I just want it to be in regulation. Yeah, it sucks. Montreal's up to seven loser points. Uh, yeah, seven. they might. There's Warriors just have played one overtime game all year, but guess what? They don't. Uh, they just get fewer points to play for because the NHL has still not figured out that games should have the same value. Uh, um, yeah. My uh, win for second, Vancouver three in a row. Eh? They beat the Leafs yeah. twice, and now the Habs. And a little bit of rest, David. I've been saying to you, they, their schedule was just vicious in the first going. They finally got a time to catch their breath, and now it looks like they got their second win. And after looking so good early in the year, the Habs have not been playing that well for the last month. So that's good because I didn't think they were that good a team <laughs> heading into the season. Just looking at all their moves, I was thinking, ah, this this doesn't. I don't think it's going to work. But it, it did work early on, and now it's kind of the result. Well, they fired their coach, right? So, uh, Bruce, my um, my uh, second good thing, I gave two. To, I graded the game already. It's already posted. Mm-hmm. I gave two defensemen eights grades. And, and for such a sterling defensive effort, mm-hmm. I just felt it was appropriate to give out high marks like that. And I think maybe when I think about my marking, maybe I interchange the defensive defenseman. But I just thought Adam Larson and Darnell Nurse, were just fantastic tonight. And they often have been um, this season, especially Adam Larson in his own zone. Nurse is more of a complete player, and he plays mm-hmm. more minutes. Yeah. Adam Larson's been a more effective two-way player, though, in, in my books than Darnell Nurse, wow. just because he's been so... He, he's chipped in on offense. He had a nice little rush tonight and set up uh, Puliu Arvi in the slot. But um, 
his defensive play, Bruce, he's he's just he's he brutalizes the other team while shutting them down. There was a play in the third period where Brady Kachuk was coming in, you know, their most dangerous attacker probably, and and a strong bull of a man, and and Larsa just wiped them out uh, as he's going down the wing, pushed that. him into the corner like a little piece of trash, swept him away, <laughs> and uh, I really liked that, Bruce. I really really liked that, and he. <laughs> He just lays on the lumber. He doesn't get penalized for it, but he uh, he he's he's the he's epitome true. of hard to play against. Darnell <laughs> Nurse and Darnell Nurse is um, he's the it's the you know I've mentioned this before the Doug Harvey in the rocking chair. Mm-hmm. He's starting to seem that way when he you know so confident out there and he makes all these little plays with the puck. There was one play where he got the puck behind his own net and someone was on his tail and he faked it one way mm-hmm. and the guy froze and then he moved it the other way. And this is the kind of little stick fake that that Nurse never made in the past. Yeah. And he's making consistently. He's really worked hard in the offseason, I bet you, with Adam Oates, on those situations where he's going back for the puck, retrieving the puck, and making a play with it. And he's figuring out, finally figuring out, um, how to be really effective in those situations. And I'm, I'm loving it. I loved his game tonight. He's such a great skater, you know. He wins a lot of puck battles simply by winning races to the puck and taking command of it, which, you know, you don't really see him as one-on-one battles, but just because of his uh, his range. And what I've been noticing more and more this year is that when he does make a move to get by himself some open ice, he actually uses it and he takes it, you know, the time to 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 survey the options and, and generally make the right decisions with the puck and, and uh, got it going in the right direction. He, he's just, his game is, is really taking a step on the maturation side. And, you know, as we've all been hoping for some years that it needed to do, well, I think we're, we're seeing real concrete steps in that direction, and it's very encouraging. I don't know if he's done video work, but I just imagine that he might have might have done so, like watching some of the best big defenders with the puck, like Headman or Peter Angelo, and, what, and the little tricks they're doing, because he he just seems to have incorporated a number of them into his game this year to to good effect. What is your bad thing, Bruce? Well, I've got to go back to the first minute of the game and that uh, very bad opening goal that was scored by uh, Jenny Dadnov from Ottawa from a bad angle. He just wheeled and it looked like it, he just slid it right along the ice. Koskinen had his pad down. It was a little bit of a broken play. Like the shot wasn't necessarily the uh, percentage play there, but he had his pad down. And for whatever reason, he flexed and he lifted his pad about this far off. What's the diameter of a puck? This far off the ice. And when he put his knee back down, somehow the puck had gone just under maybe the crook of his pad down by the ankle. Are you sure, Bruce? Because I thought it went over his pad. I thought, you know, there's that little hole, like, between, I can't, I I mean, I can't, between his uh, pad and his, and um, his arm when he's Mm -hmm. uh, hugging the post, because then he he moved off because he thought it was going to be a pass. He moved off the post, and I just thought it went under his arm and over the pad, but people can check the reason. pad sealed to the ice, and then then he, then he flexed it, and to me, it went under his pad, and then that's how, that's how I saw it, but... uh, I stand to be corrected on video review, but I haven't got it right in front of me. I'll go with your. But I'll go with your. Either way, with. you got to have a save there. You just got to have it a save. It doesn't really matter, does it? It's and what, what did he call it? They interviewed him in the post game, and he's. I think he said nightmare. 
He said it was he's, a nightmare. He said, yeah. I like Miko Koskinen. He's, a, yeah, he's an earnest and honest man. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's I, he, I find him to be kind of likable. He's a very serious person, but mm-hmm. but he he uh, you can see, you can see he takes it to heart, right? He really wears oh, it. Oh yeah. And and uh, he he wears the responsibility of his of his mistakes. He's not blithe or glib about them. So I'm Here's really a, the guy. And he won. Here, he won the game. He won the game. Here's an odd thing. He's he played against Ottawa a month ago on uh, February 9th. Smith came back and he played on the Monday a month ago today, February 8th. And Koskinen played the second game on the 9th, and the Oilers were playing on fumes at that point. And Ottawa scored on their very first shot, 26 seconds into the first period, to take the one nothing lead. The Oilers tied it a few minutes later. The Oilers got a couple goals to take a 3-1 lead. Ottawa cut the gap to 3-2 with a period or so to play. And the Oilers hung on, and they won it 3-2. The exact same, basically, scoring sequences. what happened tonight, including the first-minute goal against... And both times the Oilers bounced back from giving up that first goal to come yeah. back and win the game. And Ottawa, Ottawa's tough, man. They're they're a better team than uh, well, as we've seen. And since Edmonton swept them in Ottawa a month ago, they went seven and five, seven wins, five losses. They beat Calgary mm-hmm. three times. They beat Calgary <laughs> three times in eleven days. They beat Calgary's Calgary. defense is weak this year. Like that's that's the truth <laughs> about the Calgary Flames. They're they, they have some forwards that can play, and they've got a goalie, maybe. But their defense, uh, Geo's suddenly gotten old, and uh, they, they really miss Brody. That was a bad mistake not to sign him. And, um, yeah. Yeah, well, Geo misses Brody. Yeah. And their uh, their big plus signing of the goalie, Markstrom, wasn't it Markstrom who gave in a great B chance and a 2-2 tie with four minutes left the other night? I think that was Markstrom. Yeah, I'm glad the orders didn't sign. I was glad at the time. And, and at the start of the year, I was starting to think, oh, yeah, he's off to a good start. You have to expect that. Like, I would expect Markstrom to have a good year this year, probably next year. But, man, what did they sign him? Six, was it six years? Six years, six million dollars. Yeah, Bruce, I'm not, I'm not a fan of that contract. Was it six or was it five? I can't remember. So, anyway. Six times care. six. The orders offered him seven times five. Oh, that's it. Yeah, okay. Anyway, uh, Bruce, my my bad thing is um, it's not the loser point that the Habs got, but it might be. It's I, I'm a little worried about the new second line, uh, if I'm completely honest. These are all good players. Nugent Hopkins mm-hmm. is a very good player. Yes, Apuliarvi is a very good is a good player, and and Tyler Ennis has his moments. He's really good on the attack. He's not so good yeah. on defense. Yeah. Uh, he's leaked more grade A scoring chances against than any other orders forward this year. And um, we saw another example of that tonight. There was a play in the third period where they there was just a wide open point shot that Ennis was way out to lunch on. He just yeah. wasn't even, even in the, he wasn't close to, to, to getting in front of it. And it was almost deflected in. It was a, it was an iffy moment. But I'm, I'm worried about, uh, I, I like Nugent Hopkins a lot defensively as a winger. And uh, offensively as a winger, I like him fine offensively as a center. I don't like Ryan Nugent-Hopkins defensively as a center. The team was outchanced uh, four to eight, or excuse me, outshot four to eight when he was mm-hmm. on the ice tonight. And um, he he's he's a reasonably conscientious defensive hockey player, but he gets overpowered. Um, I don't. He he loses battles down there, 
And he, he would just have to really up his intensity as a defensive player as if, if this is going to work. Maybe he can do that. Um, maybe he can make that happen. But I've been watching him a long time as a defensive center in Edmonton. And, and maybe not everyone's going to agree with this. I'm sure there's some people who think he's a great defensive center or a good one. I don't. I think he's average at best in that role. And uh, so I'm worried about that. Puglio Arvi had a, had a strong game. I thought he was fine. Um, he, he's he he's not going to be the weak link on that line. But Annis, his defense, and Nugent, you combine those two iffy defensive players, and I could see the Oilers having a hard time breaking the cycle when that line is on the ice. It could be you know we could be back in 2013-14 again um, when these guys are out there. Boy, did Puglia-Arvey make a nice play, though, in the second period, busting into the slot and then making a backhanded feed. Oh. And what a great save that was off of Nuge. It looked like it was going to be a goal. This was just before Leon did score did, to make uh, it three to 3-1. Uh, did the goalie save that, or was it blocked? He, I couldn't he tell. Did. What yeah, a he save. Did. I couldn't yeah, believe that they didn't it was score. A great stop. Yeah. So the attack, okay. Like, they should get some chances, that line. But hmm? I'm a little worried about the defense of that line, so... Do you agree? What do you think? Well, I think it's kind of a temporary thing. I think they're they're just they're cycling through the nuclear option for a bit, and, and it'll run its course, and they'll go back to the to the separate line models. But uh, for now, it's the uh, as I said to you on Saturday, the in case of emergency break glass line, and you know they came through with the. Um, points on all three Edmonton goals tonight after coming through with points on all three Edmonton goals on Saturday night. So I guess it's working. Yeah, I just, I think what this highlights to me is, and we were talking about trade options um, last week in our podcast, uh, the need for another top line winger or center. And I don't think this, this player that they bring in has to be a great attacker. I think he has to be a good attacker who is a mm-hmm. glue player who's really strong defensively. And it could be a center for the second line. Um, you put with Nugent Hopkins and Puyarvi. I mean, mm. that if they want to keep this top line together, that might work. But it, Or it could be a, a, a strong defensive um, winger to play with McDavid on the top line. So, uh, like, they have to have some offensive game, obviously. But um, anyway, that's I just keep thinking that. Because I don't mind, like, if that top line works, I'm I'm all for keeping good lines together. And if a line's working, I'm okay with that. You just have to figure out a way to get the other lines working as well. What's your number, Bruce? Uh, I'm going to go with the number six tonight, and that is the number of shots on goal by Alex Chason uh, that he generated in just, uh, I think, 12 minutes ice time, 12 minutes and seven seconds. Yeah. Three minutes of it on the power play, nine at even strength. And at least four of those chances were excellent scoring chances. He he was uh, he was flat out robbed by uh, oh, yeah. the on that on that terrific uh, Royal Road pass by Turris. And Chason did not miss. He hammered a one timer, and I thought it was going to be in for sure. And the goalie somehow got over and smothered it. And then on the power play in the second period, he got in deep for two excellent jam shots in a row again. He got robbed a couple of times, and he's, I think he may have said a nasty word to the goalie after that. And that was the one where they cleared the zone, and uh, uh, Koskinen played the puck up to McDavid and back to Chase on. And after shooting from close range a couple of times, he came in on the two-on-one, and he sort of sold the pass and then 
bang, that perfect shot into the top corner that gave the Oilers the lead, that put them ahead to stay. And I just like his game. Uh, you know, I I often like his game. I'm a fan of this player, and and I think he he uh, he contributes. And even those who don't like his contract, I would implore you to dislike the contract as opposed to the player who signed the contract, because he does help the team at whatever you know whatever value you assign to that. You know. And tonight was the case where you know he was named the first star of this game, I, and I probably deservedly yeah. so. He had a strong yeah. game. I don't see this niggling over a contract like that. Like, if you want to get mad at a contract, you get mad at the Milan Lucic contract, right? Like, in the or the James Neal contract well, that we were forced to take the in Milan return. Milan Lucic contract, yeah. Yeah, the chase on contract is like, what is it? Is it if it's an overpay? Like, you've put it well, Bruce. He earns a million dollars for his power play work and another million for his even strength work. You know, you could say, oh, well, he should only get $700,000 for his even strength work. He should get a million seven. But he's a million-dollar power player, Bruce, and, and yeah. that, that play demonstrated. He mm-hmm. is in on as many power play chances as almost anyone else on the Edmonton Oilers. Because by he's our always, method of counting out. By our, would you give credit for, for battles won in front of the net and screens, which are in, integral to, to goal yep. scoring? Yep. Um, he's right in there. He's outstanding at it. He was a key player on the best power player of the last 40 years. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. that is that has a monetary value. He's and, and you know what? At even strength, he gives up hardly anything. He's such a fine defensive player. He's so responsible. He back checks hard. He always covers the point. You know, he yeah. he's not letting guys walk in there and get a wicked shot in the third period that almost goes in. He never does that. So, yeah, I, I like we're in the same camp, Bruce. We're in the. Uh, Team Chase on, I guess, is is the name. Chase on fan club. I'm in it, and uh, you know, I like him, and I, you know, I just I like him as uh, as an interview. He just seems like a thoughtful guy. I, you know, I, I think he has his teammates' backs. His size comes into advantage. You know, he's got a little bit of edge to him, and uh, every once in a while, he uh, he produces something on the scoreboard. But you know, that's just part of a of a broader game that he brings. I like that fourth line of Neil, Chason, and Haas. I think it's a good fourth line. I mean, you might think about moving out Neil now and then and putting in Joachim Nygaard, for instance, like that might work too. But um, I, in the playoffs, I think that'll be a good line. Uh, those two veteran wingers, big tough guys, they will make year. some noise. And they, they did last year and they will again this year. And, and Gaetan Haas is, you know, I don't know if he's going to score much, Bruce. I don't know if he's going to score much, but I'm starting he, to know that he isn't going to score much. <laughs> exactly, but he I, he he really flies out there. He's a good penalty killer, and he's a he's a very sound defensive player. So what you want from your fourth line is you want it to go at least just evens good. Evens when you got the McDavid line, evens good for your fourth line, and these guys keep it even most nights, and yeah. sometimes they get a goal. Uh, that was on the power play, of course. Uh, my number, please. Mm-hmm. yeah. My number uh, is nine. That's the number of breakaway chances Connor McDavid has had this season. Nine breakaways. He had one tonight, uh, one really clear one. And um, I, I would ask you the quiz question: How many goals has he scored on those nine breakaway chances? But I already asked. I told you the answer before the podcast. Well, you asked me before the podcast, and I guessed one. Did you? Did you guess one? I did guess one. Yes, I said oh, okay. one. You said All one. Right. So. That. I thought I said yeah. the answer before you guessed it. All right, I give you full credit then. Well, I'm giving myself credit because I said one. I wasn't <laughs> sure, but I knew it wasn't very damn many. 
Remember Gretzky? He used to get lots of breakaways, and he had a hell of a time burying them. One out of nine. Yeah. He's coming in there like a rocket, mm-hmm. and he's only got the one goal. So that's interesting. I don't know what to make of that. I'll have to look at. I haven't. I'd have to check the last year's numbers and and see how he uh, did for for breakaways and goal scoring. It's a lot of breakaways. It's not a lot of goals for for uh, that amount of them. No, you only counted the first shot as a breakaway and not the rebound, right? Tonight? I didn't. No, because it was no, because by then there was other people there, and it was kind yeah. of he was. I thought jamming. he put that one in for sure, and somehow yeah. it stayed out. Yeah, he. They were all around the net. McDavid was all around the net, and it's funny because the the one assist he got was kind of a rote play. Just put it back to the point to Nurse mm-hmm. and uh, Darnell's Darnell. Yeah. That was another little twist in Nurse's game. Eh? He 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 started to get he's starting to get some of these pucks in on net towards the net. Like he made a nice little deke there. He didn't yeah. put it off the guy's shin pads or pound it down to the corner. He actually found a way to get it on towards the net. And there Yamamoto was that sneaky Flexible guy. shot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, one knock on Nurse, and and some nights he does this, and some nights he's getting better. Is that he, you know, he lets in too many floaters from the blue line that are easy saves and kill plays. But this year he's shooting more for deflections, and I think you'd find two or three of his assists at least have come on on shots that he fired that someone else tipped home. Yeah, that was that typified his play all these years. Is that that you know the long offensive zone cycle often involving the McDavid line? He's out there with him. Puck goes back to Darnell, and he floats it in on net. Uh, how many times did we see that? And it, it, maybe someone's given him hell, or maybe he's figured it out himself that, that that's not acceptable, and he's not doing it as much. So um, you know, because I'm ex- I'm expecting it almost. The puck finally comes to him. On the cycle, and and right now it makes, and then it doesn't happen. I'm like, wow, it didn't happen. He made a play, like he kept he's, it going. He's waiting for the traffic, and then he's shooting somewhere into the traffic where there might be a friendly stick. Yeah. Huh. Alrighty, Bruce, one down, two to go. Mm. We, uh, it, it would be um, lucky if the Oilers can can continue to have this kind of winning streak against Ottawa, although. If you look at the games, I think there's only been the one that was Ottawa was close in. Um, the other three wins were fairly handy wins for the Oilers in terms of grade A chances, but there was one that could have gone either way quite easily. Well, the this one, one, the, the, one the, the other 3-2 game where they scored in the first minute, that was, I think, 13-9 for Ottawa for chances. I know they yeah. had 42 shots in that game, and Koskinen was very strong. Uh, that was game 12, or, uh, no, game... Uh, uh, 15, I guess it was right after Smith came back, and uh, um, that was the one where Ottawa really deserved a better fate. But the last three games have essentially been one goal wins for Edmonton, three one with an empty netter, three two, three two, all in regulation. Ottawa hasn't got a single point out of any of these games. I'd almost like them to see them come back with Koskin and Net, because I think he's ha- he's struggling a little bit with his confidence and. And maybe that would be something that would get him in a bit more of a groove, like set him, right? Because they're going to need him. Bruce. Yeah, well, they play Friday, Saturday. So I have an oh, idea okay. they'll go Smith, and then they'll split the weekend series. Probably Costner against Ottawa, Smith in Vancouver. That would be my guess, is that they'll just go back and forth through these next handful of games. And now there's so many games in a row coming up 
that uh, you're going to see plenty of both guys, and they're going well, to see plenty of rubber because the team's going to be tired. So the Oilers play Ottawa, then Vancouver? They play Ottawa, Ottawa, Wednesday, Friday, in Vancouver, Saturday, in Calgary, Monday, in Calgary, Wednesday, back home against Winnipeg, oh, Thursday. Okay. So it's like five games in seven days, and they have two back-to-backs, and both times they're traveling during the day. So that's a pretty rugged schedule. You're going to be podcasting up a storm. We are. <laughs> Bruce, we I are. don't know what my record is in games this year, game grading, but I think I'm on a pretty good run here, if I'm not mistaken. Well, I've had all the losses, so you're probably doing all right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, it's so much harder to grade it when they lose. It's just painful. You've had some of those pain. Well, I got a couple wins here. That one on Saturday, that comeback win on Saturday, that was pretty sweet. That one looked an awful lot like a loss when Calgary took the lead early in the third. And I was not in a happy frame of mind. In fact, I was quite sour. And they came back to to pull out the the win. So maybe my luck is changing. There's been some huge wins. That, That one sticks out, and there was one against Toronto. Um, where they scored near the end of the game. And um, Tr- there was one play near the end of the game where Toronto almost scored, and they didn't. Mm-hmm. And then I think the Oilers scored. I think it was, it was awesome. the second time that the Oilers had beat Toronto, and that was such a huge win because the Oilers were really struggling at that point as well. That was a one-overtime game where it played all year, and it lasted less than a minute of overtime until I settled fed David for the tip-in. Sweet. Yeah, mm-hmm. we haven't had overtime this year. Been a stranger to the okay. oil country. Let's leave it there, Bruce. Thanks for talking yep. tonight. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast. <laughs>